0: Coming soon to a city near you, Road Roadshow. Have you ever wondered how to attend Italy for free? Are you a wine trade professional? Interested in a sponsored trip to Italy International Academy or Italy the Wine and Spirits Exhibition? Coming soon to Princeton, New Jersey, Harlem, New York and Chinatown in New York City, Cardiff in Wales, London in England and Roost in Austria. We'll be giving away our new textbook, Italian Wine Unplug 2.0. Find out more about these exciting events and for details on how to attend, go to liveshop.vnatally.com. Limited spots available. Sign up now. We'll see you soon. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Cynthia Chaplin, and this is Voices. Every Wednesday, I will be sharing conversations with international wine industry professionals, discussing issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion through their personal experiences working in the field of wine. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your pods. Hello, and welcome to Voices. This is me, Cynthia Chaplin, and today I am so happy to welcome Victoria moulou to Voices. She is a renowned sommelier from Kenya, where she founded Cellar 254, the first online wine store in the country. Victoria was also the captain of Team Kenya Wine, the very first all-female squad to compete at the World Blind Tastings Championships, and that was just held in Champagne in France in October 2022. They came 26th coming only one place behind the USA and beating Team Italy by two places. So I'm not that happy, but I'm super impressed. So welcome to the show, Victoria. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. Thank you for having me, Cynthia. I'm so excited uh, to be on your show. Well, you've got so much going on. I can't wait to talk to you. I think for most of our listeners, it's fair to say that Kenya is not a recognized wine powerhouse in the world in terms of growing or producing or even importing. But I think that's on the brink of changing. So tell us how you got interested in wine. When
1: did that journey start for you? How did you become a sommelier? It's such a long story. i and I'm so excited uh, about being a sommelier now, but it started 23 years ago. And it started when I was working in finance in uh, Germany, in Frankfurt, to be precise. And I worked at Deutsche Bank at the time. And my boss at the time took us out to a working lunch. And um, I don't know if this is typical of Germans, but he did all the ordering for the team, the food, the water and the wine. And I didn't grow up around wine. I was you know, a vodka expert, (laughs) you know, as you do in university and also because I was previously living in Slovakia. So, and he ordered this wine and I was really, really intrigued. I didn't even know how to hold a wine glass. I had no clue what wine tastes like. I was really intimidated. But everyone else around the group seemed quite comfortable with it. So after the lunch, I purposed to find out more about wine. I was very challenged. And one of my colleagues told me about wine classes and sessions that were happening in Wiesbaden at the time. And I started going to those. And I think that's where the bug caught me. There was endless and yes. me. It well, and, so and
0: Germany is a great a great place to start because they have such an
1: ancient wine culture too. Absolutely, and they have beautiful wine regions as well. And um, you know, the the tutor as well in Wiesbaden was very gentle and very was a very good communicator because he would interweave all the geography and the history and the terroir fascinating he was a good storyteller so um I fell in love with the wine at the time but I I didn't stop working in finance until about eight years later after different career moves that's when I decided okay that's it I'm tired of going into the city on a stinky tube early in the morning and I'm I just made the leap at that time and I I have never looked back so I did my courses my classes and then um Moved to Spain as well, where I lived for three years, and I was doing a lot of hands-on work in the in the sommelier world and visiting wineries and doing part-time work in a restaurant. And here I am now. When I moved back to Kenya, it was a natural progression just to go back into the wine business and try and spread the gospel of wine.
0: I think that's what all of us who are really passionate about it want to do. And I love hearing your story. It's similar to mine. You know, got very interested in in wine back when I was in the university and lived all over Europe and doing different things. And really having to put yourself out there and take that leap and leave your old career. Mine was psychology and and publishing and and make that push to get into wine. It's it's not easy. It's a little scary. And it, it's especially scary, I think for you in some ways I mean you you had a you know a great business career you were doing well you're very well educated so you gave that up to make the change and you've talked a lot about girls in Kenya being at a disadvantage in the society you know where traditional roles have the girls doing all the work and the boys are being waited on you know how did how did you get past that how how do you see the connection between what you're doing now and that Traditional role in the past. You know, you broke out of it, you moved into education, you've got a master's degree, you moved into the wine world. What pushed you past those traditional
1: roles and got you to where you are? You put that so well. When I think about what pushed me, it's mainly the need to make a difference, just the need to, you know, change status quo. It's part of our culture to be, as women, to perhaps do. A lot more of the domestic chores, and we just born responsible. I, this is what my friends and I like to say. Like, at a very young age, you're being told, clear the table, wash the dishes make your bed. And it's just a natural role that you grow up in. And you don't realize how imbalanced that is until you you, you go into a different culture. So even by the time I moved abroad, I was very comfortable being an African girl, a Kenyan girl. And, you know, knowing at the back of my head, it doesn't matter how successful you are, there's still that traditional role that you have to do and you have to fit in very well. But I think being exposed to a different world, a different culture, I, I did feel like, If I can work in Europe and be successful and be accepted and, you know, sort of spread my wings in whatever direction I want while still staying true to my culture, I think I can transfer that back home. And as you said earlier, Kenya... We are not a wine drinking culture. In fact, we only have one commercial winery and we are like, what, 72nd in the world in importing wine. So we don't really feature much. But what we do like and what we have plenty of is good food. And who does most of the cooking? Women, girls from a very young age. I mean, things have changed now from back in my time. So it was very easy for me to see how well I can sort of advance my agenda and how well I can sort of get a lot more people to appreciate wine, but also inspire more women to consider it as a career. Like it's not very, very rewarding at the beginning, but with time and with patience, you can get to past where I am. And there's many women in the trade now who are really enjoying the success of it. So how did I break out of that? I have to say, it's just working hard and not giving up and having a goal. And I didn't do it alone. Along the way, there were so many supporting people. Like, for example, when I was doing my WSET course, no, actually initially, even in Germany, when I was going back and forth to Wiesbaden during my free time, I had a friend who I would come and bond with and taste different wines with. And you know, she would tell me all about Germany and the wine growing areas. And I went to visit you know, her place in Hamburg, and so their wine cellars, first time in my life. I mean, there's always been someone who's putting wind beneath my wings. And same thing, when I started my courses at um, WSCT, the tutors, uh, and I remember I was a minority in the class, but none of the tutors. It made that an issue. I mean, we were, everybody around me as is in the wine world, they were very helpful and there was no stupid questions. So I did feel very comfortable even then. Same thing in Spain, people opened their doors. I got jobs. I, I was given a chance to try, um, you know, how to, how to be a sommelier and to work in the industry and see if I can hack it. So I have to say financially, it wasn't an easy move for the family, but with the support of my 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 immediate family I have two girls and my husband is very supportive with his career change and with moving around the world um, and he was part of the journey and that has really really helped me move uh, it's, it's so up. interesting
0: that's that's so interesting what you say about breaking these roles and being successful and finding your path but still sort of honoring your culture and being really a leading light for your family. I think people forget that in a lot of careers and certainly in wine, a a lot of wine careers take place at night. We don't see our families as much as we'd like to. I have a husband who doesn't drink and is, is very, very understanding about my crazy life. And I have six children, four daughters. Uh, so being a leading light for for young people, um, it's not always easy, as you say. Our industry isn't very conducive to making it easy for for young women to get in. And it sounds like even even more difficult in Kenya. So it's incredible what you've managed to achieve in the 23 years since you've you know, started tasting wine and learning how to hold a wine glass. I mean, it's, it's a lot. So I think that, that kind of real glass ceiling smashing that you've done is, is such um, an inspiration to people. And this is why chatting with you today is, is just making me so happy. I know you ended up working for a company called EthnoVino for about a decade. Who, who's EthnoVino? What were you doing there?
1: F Novino is actually me. That's my company. So I started it in 2012 and it's a really wine education services company. And the aim of starting this company was just to create, I needed in Kenya to create a discerning community of people who, one, enjoy wine. To enjoy networking, because when you move back home, there's always that culture shock. You think, you know, you knew people back then and they should remember you now, but it's not always the case. You have to sort of reestablish. Oh, good Lord.
0: It definitely is not.
1: You're so right. (laughs) Isn't it? Um, But at the same time, the wine knowledge was dismal. And, you know, I was on a mission as well to make sure I raise the wine knowledge and at the same time promote... Responsible drinking, because I I think a lot of um, drinking in Kenya is very much around, you know, let's drink until we can't drink anymore, if you like. Um, But it's also because those are not conversations that people have. Um, How do you enjoy this wine at the best possible way and what is responsible besides drink and driving you know have your wine with food and things like that also lastly you know I kept coming home on holidays and the quality and availability of fantastic wine was almost non-existent so there was a lot of sweet wine there still is and basic red wines and I also wanted to make sure that the variety of wines available the quality of producers is also high I had no idea how i was going to do that but it really worked so what um a year into me starting the business i had the biggest company at the time who are still very close to my heart wines of the world take me on and i started working with them and you know that was i think one of the other biggest blessings because through working with this big company that had more than more than a thousand skus of wine from all over the world I I was able to sharpen my skills in so many other ways like business development, connect with the consumer, you know, host as many events as possible and just work with them towards, you know, managing the portfolio and introducing new and different, weird and wonderful wines into Kenya that didn't exist before. And so I still work under Ethno Vina as a wine consultant uh, for the last six years now. Uh, Since I left Wines of the World in 2013, no, 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 2015, I'm losing track of time now. (laughs) The years are flying by, but we still work closely together as I do with many other importers and producers to just ensure that, you know, wine education is happening, uh, wine appreciation is happening, seller management for people, but also that producers have an avenue and a platform in Kenya because... I think the best way to sell wine for a non wine drinking country is to get the the, the people behind the labels, the product themselves, you know, to come and talk about their products from time to time. And we are quite enjoying that, um, especially in the recent past few years. So wine producers had been coming before the pandemic. um, And then again, during the pandemic, we had uh, the In Your Cellar series where we had webinars on the way here uh, virtually. But what's been fantastic is that after the pandemic, there are many producers who've been coming to Kenya, and there's nothing as special as you know, in a in a country that doesn't have a strong wine culture, than that first-hand information, that contact with the producers, the experts, the winery owners, the brand owners. That has really, you know, compelled the consumers in Kenya to appreciate wine even better. Um, and you see that even with the numbers from South African wine imports, uh, the South Africans are constantly here and the French now. Um, and you can see how much they're reaping rewards from that contact and from that, um, uh, education as well so it's amazing how you know after
0: the pandemic the wine market has really picked up in, in kenya you've said there's a lot of stakeholder engagement taking place and you know i'm guessing and, and you alluded to the fact that south africa um wines from south africa are, are are big in kenya because it's easy to get them obviously it's not so far to transport but i'm kind of wondering you know fill us in a bit on the wine scene in kenya who's drinking wine there right now Is it mostly men or women or young people, old people? What's the average spend on a bottle? Um, You know, what is the average consumer doing? Who are you educating? Who are you talking
1: to about wine right now? So it's such exciting times in Kenya because wine is being drunk across all demographics. So the young people are interested now, and so they're experimenting, they're trying dry styles of wines. Of course, everyone starts on the sweeter styles. They're more accessible, they're affordable, easier to understand. But we've seen people going now towards uh, grape varieties and it's it's fantastic. So the young people are drinking. The older generation as well, those are the more discerning. Of course, they have a higher purchasing power and they're the more discerning clientele base. uh, And they drink by provenance and by grape varieties and they have their own um, preferred wines that they do drink. And then we have the curious people in between. And these are the ones who are in the middle of the road and they're not oil and they drink all sorts of things, gin, whiskey, anything that's being marketed, they do drink. But those are the best consumers. Um, And those cut across both males and females. They're around 25 to actually no, 30 to 42 years old. And that's where the bulk of the Of of the purchasing power is. And those are the main clients uh, that I do have. Uh, They're on their first or second jobs. Uh, They have disposable incomes. Today we talk about Malbecs, they will drink Malbecs. If we talk about Amarones, they will drink Amarones. So it's a good mix of uh, people drinking wine, both young and older. And the average spend at the moment is around. 10, 11 euros is about $12, if I'm not wrong. That's the sweet spot in retail. On trade, it's a bit different because every hospitality outlet, restaurants, hotels have different markups that are completely atrocious and unreasonable. Of course, everywhere. (laughs) But the sweet spot is around maybe $5 by the glass and by the bottle at around. 4,000 shillings that equates to, would I dare say, maybe 25 euro per bottle. So pretty expensive. Um, So a lot of the sales, obviously, are being driven by modern retail supermarkets and uh, specialist wines and spirit stores. And online is big now in Kenya. Well, that takes me
0: straight to the next thing I wanted to ask you about because you started Seller 254 in 2016 and you're still the CEO there. And it was the very first online wine store in Kenya. What inspired you to start this business? You know, most people started online businesses during the pandemic, but you got in the door first. How did you get that off the ground? And how many countries have you got on your list at the
1: moment? I have to say, I was very lucky because I was driven by the need for convenience. Um, half the time, I never used to plan for drinking, and then I'd get back home after a very long day, and I wanted a good bottle of wine. But then the supermarkets and the specialist stores were closed, so um, convenience is what drove me to innovation. And mind you, I had a different experience living abroad. Online stores were, were not so difficult. I mean, there were quite a few in Spain, in the UK, and the supermarket chains had also started going online. So I had also some sort of experience uh, with the fact that things can be done differently. They can be done better and give people a different proposition and kaboom, you have a business going. And that's how Seller 254 was born. In fact, Seller 254 was born in one of my MBA classes in the evening because I took evening classes as well. And that idea, the light bulb moment was actually in 2015 in one of my MBA classes. So in a way, I also have, Strathmore Business School to thank for this. And um, I'm, I'm glad I started it. Now, uh, there's quite a few people, there's quite a few successful online stores. The only difference with Seller254 is that I sell wine o- only, exclusively. And uh my colleagues in the industry who have um online stores, they do sell a mix of wine spirits and perhaps even uh, mixers, etc. They they're fully fledged liquor stores. So so anybody in Kenya who is serious about their wine wants to come to
0: your online shop because you're doing just wine and really keeping your focus pure.
1: I like that. I very much hope they do because the the idea as well was to curate the wines and I have done that online on Seller Two by Four in a very accessible language and incorporate as well local food you know I'll often say pair with ugali and skuma which is a local staple pair with giveri uh, pair with nyamachoma which is barbecued meat and so it helps connect the consumer to the business and the product in an easier way. Because let's face it, wine labels can be intimidating and the English used is not for everybody, you know? So I I think that was the success of Seller 254. And I actually think that I, I can still work a lot more towards using local language, local nuances, get people more comfortable with such an intimidating product wine. Well, you're singing my song
0: because language in wine is is a real focus point for me. I think language keeps people out of wine. A lot of labels are in French or they're in German or they're in Italian. As you said, it's intimidating. And a lot of it, um, you, you bring up such a good point about food pairings. You know, if you look up what to pair this wine with, it'll be some sort of food that's probably not readily available in Kenya. And I think making that move to opening the door for new wine students to start pairing international wines with their local foods is so crucial. And it is one of the most fun things to do. I, I love doing that. So I'm really excited to
1: hear you're doing that. Um, I'm going to have to take a look at this when I get please, off this conversation. There's 10 <laughs> countries represented. So please do 10 different countries many different wines. Initially, I had 17 countries, but we have distribution issues in Kenya and infrastructure. And of course, COVID has changed the way we do business. Well,
0: before I let you go, I'm not letting you off the hook because I have so many more things I want to talk to you about. I really want to hear about the World Blind Tasting Championships. Kenya had never participated before. So you were the very first team. And even better from my point of view, the competition had never had an all-women team competing. So you and your team were really like huge ground breakers on a lot of levels at this competition. So Tell us a little bit about the team that was with you and how did you all get together and why on earth did you decide to take on this challenge I mean you have enough going on it's very obvious you know did you get inspired by the guys from team Zimbabwe you know now they're famous with their film blind ambition what what made you decide okay we're going to go to the world wine tasting competitions we we were
1: so lucky to have been introduced to this world blind tasting championship by two Zimbabweans you won't be this but Honestly, we always talk about Ubuntu and the spirit of Ubuntu, you know, where we refer to the golden rule of I am because you are. But Joseph Dafana was in Kenya and he was here promoting his new wine, the Mosi Bordeaux blend. And so he was being hosted by his um, importer under the influence, whose general manager is a friend of mine lovely Zimbabwean woman called Diane Chimboza so Diane invites all the stakeholders or you know the important stakeholders in the business of wine in Kenya so all the sommeliers some importers and restaurateurs and Joseph talks to us about his wines and then at the end of the tasting he looks at us and says oh he said Kenyans you're very good with wine and i really like this interaction have you heard of the world blind tasting competition and he just picked our curiosity and we said, no. So he told us all about it and we said, okay, we're going to form a team. And thereafter, we're going to come for advice from you. And that night, one of us started a WhatsApp group with all the sommeliers and asked who's interested, who's interested. Um, and guess what? As if by coincidence, girls came through naturally. I, men think differently from females. So men had well, a little- and
0: women, women really make that say, you know, If you want something done, ask a busy person. Women women
1: know how to keep all the balls in the air. Isn't that amazing about women? And, you know, we didn't ask the questions. We didn't know who was going to pay for us, where we're going to sleep, how we're going to go about it. Do we even have the wine? All four of us came, five of us came to, we can do this. Let's figure it out as we move. And so Melissa, Joy, Soraya, and Beverly, we started practicing. The same weekend, and uh, before Joseph left for back for South Africa, that was twenty four hours later, he invited us to his hotel and he taught us everything we needed to know. You have never met a more generous, humble Somalia like we call him Joe. He's just we've adopted him. We want him to be Kenyan, but I, I think <laughs> he, he just he was so giving. He even told us the tricks how it works, and he said if you need anything, I. Add me to the WhatsApp group. I will answer any question. For him, he did look at it as competition. He just thought, I am going to mentor my Kenyan sisters and they're going to be on the map. And he put us together with Philip Cantinac, the organizer, and Redon, JB Redon, who is also, who used to be the South African coach for any questions. Like, it, it's just amazing, Cynthia, how people can be so giving without you know, considering themselves as getting disadvantaged by it. And when we went to France, we met the other four. So Malvin, Tinashe, and Pardon. And we now call them our brothers in wine because they really looked after us like their little sisters. Like, where are you guys going to eat? Have you practiced? Let's practice. Let's taste this together. And at some point, we even forgot that we were in the same competition, competing against each other. It was wonderful. It was such a Joy, it's so easy working with women in a women team because we understand each other. We know our ups and downs and um, we also know how difficult the industry is. But the one thing that united us uh, for this competition was a drive. We were hungry. We were hungry to do well. We were proud to be representing Kenya and we did not want to let the country down, let alone ourselves. The other thing that really helped us with this uh, competition is the support Kenyans were just so behind us. We had a GoFundMe page that was set up as a suggestion by uh, Jane Flanagan, who writes for the Times, I believe. And, you know, they were contributing as little as $1, 100 a $1,000 at a time. It was just unbelievable.
0: Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local foods, and taking in the scenery. Now, back to the show.
1: And the main reason why we did so well is because our importers supported us so beautifully. They gave us free samples of wine to practice with. And they went beyond that and organized with their producers in Europe to send samples to our hotel room in Champagne, And we carried on practicing. Um, The wine industry in Kenya is so small and so tight-knit. But look at that kindness. I believe human beings are inherently good. But particularly in the wine industry, people are just so generous, kind, and this is what makes the industry so special and we're so grateful for our importers and also the local media Business Daily documented it and that's how it was grabbed and, you know, um, the international media ran with it. So we are grateful for everybody who really pushed us forward. And I I feel like you know the shining light that was thrown at us by the media. It it just gave us that confidence that come on, girls, we can do this. We're we are like beacons for the other women, upcoming female sommeliers in the world, and we have to really be good role models. And we have literally BBC Africa to thank because they they picked it up and they ran with it in fact I don't know if you know it Cynthia but they covered it in 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 champagne they actually came and you know covered the whole competition and uh, you know reported on it and we sort of felt like you know we, we it was a spur of the moment we agreed to participate spontaneously but the joy that we got from Just all the support from across the world and from our country specifically, and the boys, the Zimbabweans. Really, we would like to give that to another group, and we're participating again this time. But it was such a good experience. All the countries as well came together, and you mentioned women as the only women team. Actually, when we got there, the Team USA were also an all-female team, and Kirsten Schubert from Team USA had been in touch prior to the competition, and she is amazing. Their team is amazing, and they invited. To practice with them at one of the champagne houses. The, the power of women is just amazing. And then team South Africa with um, Heidi as well. Heidi works for Panicop as well. She was in touch, need anything. Girls, let's go out and practice together. It was beautiful. I, and I think this is what the wine world is and should be like. It's just about togetherness, it's about loving each other and healthy competition. We have to grow. All of us have to grow from this and you know. For, for, for the world to move in the right direction, we all have to help each other and we are very grateful. Um, and you know what shocked us also is that Jansis Robinson, who's like a revered, like, you know, Oh, she's my icon. The, oh, my God. She's our icon times a 100. She's the goddess of wine. And you won't believe how humble she is. She reached out. She helped us. She supported us with knowledge, of course, and followed up to see how we are doing. So. You know, it's a huge responsibility as, as we talk about this, is we're not just representing Kenya. There's many people out there who are looking at our performance, our participation, and thinking, I could do that. So we provoked the industry and the producers who now know Kenya exists and there's professionals there. And we know that, you know, because we're all WSET certified years we do know that we have a framework to work with that is international, global standards. And there's nothing as good as, and we keep going back to education and knowledge, there's nothing as good as having the basics, a framework to refer to that is in line with everyone else in the world. So for everything came came together so beautifully and we are grateful to that. And the host as well, they were very forgiving, fantastic people. Um, the owners of Champagne Ayala were so graceful, like, Cynthia, I also want to highlight that by wine number four, we were sixth on the list. Like we were doing so well. We were, you know, very convinced that we had a chance, but then we dropped down to 20 something and but we're still proud we participated. I think you should be
0: enormously proud. I I think it's just so inspiring. I have got to meet Joe because I've interviewed Pardon and and we had a long talk and Joe looms large in his life too. No one has a bad word to say about this man. So I feel like I I need to meet him and give him a hug and have some wine with him. Um, You clearly are filled up with excitement about this and you said you're going to do it again this year. Uh,
1: Will it be the same team this year? And fortunately, yes, it is going to be the same team. Um, It's going to be four of us. One of us has decided not to participate, but we have the minimum number, which is Soraya, uh, Melissa, Joy, and myself. We're going to go for it. We wish you the most luck with this.
0: I, I can't wait to see what your team does this year because I can just tell that you're on fire. And and I know, you know, getting back to what you just said about the whole idea of education, you and I both obviously really value wine education. Um, and I know you're working on your WSET diploma as well. Um, and you're educating people in Kenya about wine. So what advice would you give to, you know, young girls in particular in Kenya who want to get involved in the wine sector or, you know, just drawing and engaging new people, people who haven't tried wine before? You know, as you said, sweet drinks are are more popular in that culture. And so wine is is often sort of not something anybody knows about. How are you luring people in aside from your amazing personality? How are you educating them and what would you advise A young Kenyan girl who's 18 and she wants to get into wine, what would you tell her?
1: Oh, that's such a loaded question, Cynthia. Well, for the young 18 year old female, young girl, I I would say to them the glass ceiling has been broken. By you, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) By my team and I, you know, Uh, there's many who came before me. I think I was just perhaps luckier or louder. Um, But, you know, these young girls, they have no excuse. They have role models. Um, and also, there are opportunities in the industry. We are here to mentor them. I mentor quite a few sommeliers, both male and female. And, you know, hard work pays. There's no soft line. It all looks very good. on The optics are fantastic on social media, but it's a hard graft. Like you mentioned earlier, long days, uh, late nights. Um, but they have to take interest in the world around them. There's so many places to plug in, so many areas or, uh, you know, micro careers within the wine industry. There's so many opportunities. How am I reeling people in wine education? So uh, I mentioned during the pandemic, I had the webinars, so that's the way to go. have so got to use social media more. Wine tasting events, I've got an average of eight wine events in in a typical month and they vary from wine and food pairing. So high-end events to experiential, just taste, you know, see what you like. I walk around tastings. I do an awful lot of trainings for hotel staff. So, and it's across the country. So Nairobi, Mombasa, Beach and Bush, so Masai Mara as well. And you know what? I, I think that the biggest power is being a mentor. So there's a WhatsApp group that I'm a part of. So everyone I train goes onto this WhatsApp group voluntarily. And if you're in the middle of service and you've got an odd question or an intimidating customer, then you can always call me or text, sidebar me and ask me, what do I do? He wants this kind of wine. I don't have it. What's the alternative? So I I think just having that kind of accessibility as a, wine educators, you know, consultants that the people coming up the rungs can uh, bounce things off you. I think that's where I feel I'm most useful. And um, I I would like that more people can reach out and just ask questions and that we can support each other because um, the hospitality industry in Kenya is very important. And the bulk of our fine wine sales are made in that channel, the on-trade especially. And you have all these expatriates and people who know their wines who have high expectations. And we often don't pay attention to what is available or how much information you need to impart to enable a customer enjoy their experience. But again, that's what I'm here for. But I could still do more. There's so many things that could be done perhaps Cynthia, you can help me as well well
0: you're you're about to do more i one of the things i love about you is that you're not only a teacher and a mentor and an educator but you are also still a student yourself you know as as i said you're still um working on your wset diploma so am i i feel the pain of that but uh before we even organized this interview uh, it turned out that you are going to come and join venetoli international academy and take the flagship italian wine ambassador course here in Verona with me in March. I'm so excited to have you. This is a program very near and dear to my heart. I took it myself. I'm an ambassador and now I co-run it with my colleagues. So we're very excited to have you here and I can't wait for you to tell all of your mentees back in Kenya everything you learn about Italian wine. So before I let you go, I have to ask you, what's your favorite Italian wine? before you get here because we will give you so many wines during this course you won't even know what to do.
1: Oh I am so excited and I can't wait to be on this course you know when I come back I'll change my Instagram to I speak Italian wine fluently. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so um I really enjoy different Italian wines but Top of mind, they tried a Renato Corino Barolo. I really loved that. I drink a lot of Amarone naturally in Kenya. I I love my Amarones. I love my Barolo. But I love Arnais so much. Um, And I I think we should drink more of Arnais. For for
0: people who are listening, Barolo and Amarone are red. And Arnais is, is white and can also be red. So it's very interesting. That's a Piemonte wine. You
1: will have it while you're here. Really, it can be read, see? Oh, yeah, I've got you a go. lot of learning to do, right? <laughs> a lot there of learning go. to do. Yes, there's quite a few Sicilian wines that are also coming to my um, attention now, and I'm quite enjoying those, but just Nero D'avola just hits the spot for me every time. I think it does pair very well with our food in Kenya, which is why I gravitate towards it, but a well-made Nero D'avola. So that's, that's a summary of perhaps the italian wines that i love the most there are many i like but those four i think would have to do for now well that's amazing and i am really excited that you you've got a good base of
0: knowledge you're ready to come and take this course and you're going to have so much fun um tasting probably somewhere between 100 130 wines during the week that you take the course and i am going to be the person who puts the pin on your jacket when you pass this exam i'm excited to have you here and i'm really looking forward to meeting you in person so thank you so much for talking
1: to us today and telling us about everything you're doing. Thank you so much, Cynthia, for having me. It's such an honor. And I I can't wait to meet you in person and do the course as well. I must come back with a pin. uh, But I have to say, Italy is what has set me on this journey for uh, the VIA uh, course. And I, I do hope I make you proud as well. Fantastic. All right, we'll see you soon.